From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. The title of Distinguished Professor is uh, something that uh, very few college faculty members uh, are able to achieve. And Penn State Greater Allegheny here in McKeesport has its first Distinguished Professor. She is Margaret Signorella. She's a professor of psychology, women's gender, and sexuality studies at Penn State Greater Allegheny. She has been a member of the Penn State Greater Allegheny faculty since 1983. She is a graduate of uh, the University of Pittsburgh with a bachelor's degree and a graduate of Penn State with a master's and a PhD in psychology. And we're going to talk to her about her work and about the field of gender studies and maybe explain to us just a little bit about what that means. Good morning, Professor Signorella. Good morning. Congratulations, by the way. Well, thank you very much. What does this, um, the, the title of distinguished professor, what does that signify? Well, according to the university policy, it is supposed to be uh, granted to faculty members um, who, are, who are at the rank of professor to start with and who have um, achievements in, um, significant achievements in all areas, teaching, research, and service. You are very widely published, if I may say so, but you are also teaching um, a, a full schedule of classes, uh, according to your, your website. How do you find the time to balance the teaching and the research? Well, I think that's something that, um, that I find attractive mm-hmm. about an academic position because it's a, it's a profession where you do a lot of different things on a daily basis. And I, I enjoy the variety a lot. Um, I do have to try to be organized because, um, yes, the, the, that's a relatively heavy teaching load. And, and so it's really important to, um, to have some sort of organizational system for, mm-hmm. for handling all of, all of those um, responsibilities. But, um, but I really do enjoy the variety. Margaret Signorella is Professor of Psychology, Women's Gender, and Sexuality Studies at Penn State Greater Allegheny in McKeesport. She is the first campus faculty member to be named a Distinguished Professor, that honor uh, earlier this month. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the field that you're in, but while we're on the topic of um, balancing teaching and research, I believe I read somewhere that uh, one of the things that you do and and, and I, I, I may be crossing, I may be getting this crossed up, is you teach undergraduates how to do research, correct? So it's right. sort of a mentoring yeah. role of, of getting them. Tell, tell, tell me a little bit about that, because I used to work for a university, and that was something we were always talking about, was trying to get the undergraduates interested in, in, in doing their own investigation. Well, as, as you know, um, Greater Allegheny only has undergraduate students, and it's, um, it's important for faculty who are active in research to have, um, to have students to work with, um, and then that benefits the students in learning about research. But um, undergraduate students do need a bit more uh, mentoring and, and guidance at first. And so one of the things that 
I do is um, because I teach the research methods course. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one way for me to cultivate um, potential students who show an interest in um, in doing research, and then um, talk to them when they when they seem to really um, enjoy it or or um, be quite skilled at it. Talk to them about um, potentially working on a project. I do have, um, there are students, however, that um, are already interested even before they take a research methods class, and they often approach me or my other colleagues in the department saying, I'd really like to get involved in a research project. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the students have their own ideas, and some of the students um, don't, but they just want to learn about research, and so... Um, the students have their own ideas as long as I feel qualified to supervise them. Um, um, they will take the lead in developing the idea and the, the research design. And the students who um, want to just get the experience, then um, I tell them what I'm working on, mm-hmm. and they can, um, they can choose which uh, projects appeal to them. You, you, when you say research methods class, and is that a class for, I, I know there are some four-year degrees now at, at the Greater Allegheny Campus, but yeah. is, is this a class for freshmen, sophomores? What, what years generally take the class? Um, research methods in psychology is required for all psychology majors in the university. Okay. And typically, um, it's a 300-level class, so um, students either take it at the end of their sophomore year or their junior year. Um, it's also um, required for the psychology minor. So, um, so I mostly have psychology majors in the, in the class, okay. but then I have an occasionally, um, occasionally have a student who's minoring in psych. Margaret Signorella is a distinguished professor of psychology and women's gender and sexuality studies at Penn State Greater Allegheny. Uh, it was an honor that was just uh, granted to her uh, er- earlier in February. She has been a member of the Penn State faculty, am I correct, since 1983? 82. 82. And she is the first Penn State Greater Allegheny campus faculty member to be named a distinguished professor. Before we go any further, I was wondering if we could get some definition of some terms. Um, gender studies, what all does that encompass? I feel like... And, and, and I feel I can say this as a liberal arts major myself. I feel like that's one of those fields that has been batted around. It gets a, it gets a lot of gets a lot of abuse, but we don't really know exactly what gender studies encompasses. Well, I want to give a slight historical perspective. Yeah, um, a lot of the gender studies programs did have their roots in women's studies, and you'll notice in my title it does have both of those mm-hmm. terms. And so originally, um, women's studies programs sprang up out of the need to recognize that um, women were being neglected in really all areas, all disciplines. So, for example, in psychology, um, it was very common for research to only include men as participants. And... Really? Wait a minute. Really? When yeah. women are 51% of the population, the psychological experiments were only... Is that because that was most of the student population that they were drawing the experiments from? Or why? how did that evolve? Well, that would be one reason. Okay. Another reason is the idea that um, women were too delicate to be exposed to <laughs> okay. a stressful experiment. Um, so for, if you look at, the, for example, a couple of the classic 
stressful studies in social psychology, Milgram's study and Zimbardo's study, all men as participants, except for one group of women that Milgram did test toward the end and who, by the way, responded exactly the same way as the men did. So the, um, the, the Milgram so I, the Milgram study and that's come up in the news yeah. <laughs> actually frequently recently um, it was it was a study to see if if people would be willing to inflict pain on other people uh, in, in, in an authoritarian environment essentially I'm oversimplifying but so they were but only no 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 that was a that was a pretty good summary okay um, and and I think another reason um, that women were not included is that there was the assumption that women might mess up the results of the study. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, researchers didn't want to deal with that potential complication. So, uh, so one of the, so one of the reasons then in psychology was to bring attention to, um, to this problem, to, to um, talk about the fact that, that all genders needed to be included um, when doing research. And the reason why, of course, gender has now become included in the name of many of these programs, I think it's also true at the University of Pittsburgh. They um, similarly renamed their um, their women's studies program to include gender. And the the reason is that, of course, in reality, women's studies never excluded other genders. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an acknowledgement that what we really are studying is gender, which brings us to your original question, which is, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, let's pause. Uh, let's let's pause right there because we have to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's let's find out what the, what does that what does that mean uh, to go back to my original question, and let's also talk a little bit about some of your research. Margaret Signorella is professor of psychology, women's gender and sexuality studies at Penn State Greater Allegheny in McKeesport. She has just been named a distinguished professor by Penn State. She's the first Greater Allegheny campus faculty member to achieve that honor. City Online has reached a critical point in our history where we need to raise money from the public to continue providing information both online and on the radio. If you can help by making a donation, we would very much appreciate it. Go to our website, TubeCityOnline.com, and click the Donate button. And thanks for supporting independent media in the Monioc area. And we're back. Our guest this morning is Margaret Signorella. She's a professor of psychology and women, gender, and sexuality studies at Penn State Greater Allegheny. She was just recently named the first campus faculty member at Penn State Greater Allegheny to be named a distinguished professor. And before we took the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, what is this field of gender studies, which, as you were explaining to us, what grew out of a, a, an earlier field called women's studies. But there's a little bit more of an encompassing or expanded view of, of gender now, maybe, than there was a generation or two generations ago. Right. And, uh, and I think we also have to think back to the original conception of gender as being separate from what might be considered biological sex. Okay. And so some of the earlier thinking was that, by some people, was that we could talk about um, an individual's sex, meaning their chromosomes, mm-hmm. hormones, and genitalia. But um, that would be different from gender, which would be a more psychological concept referring to one's conception of oneself 
in relation to um, to sex and um, gender-related concepts, it is becoming less and less common for us to separate those. First of all, um, there, there there's very little biological that isn't also impacted by non-biological factors. And, and Not non-biological also, factors, meaning environment or and, right, interactions right. with other people? Okay. Exactly, okay. exactly. And we're now recognizing that, um, that people can and do. I mean, we've always known that people can develop gender identities, self-conceptions that are different from their um, biological sex. And so we um, are finding it less and less useful to, to make the distinction and simply um, instead to consider all of these as part of what you would call gender. So it would be your, your chromosomes, your hormones, your, um, your genitalia, your physical appearance, and all of your self-conceptions and your interests um, and your stereotypes or attitudes about um, gender are all part of this now, that what we would call gender. They often talk now about the, the gender spectrum rather than the gender binary. Right, that's okay. right. Right, and I, and I think people don't always realize that, um, that there have always been cultures that have not had a gender binary. And there have been, um, for example, anthropologists have studied um, cultures in which um, other possibilities other than um, other than just male or female have been recognized and so what is currently um, happening in primarily um, if you would if you would um, think of say the last 10 to 15 years okay mm-hmm. what um, the move toward recognizing that there um, the gender is not a binary is is so it's this is not a unique occurrence in human history but um but one that is becoming more recognized in in the recent past i'm i'm sure we're making pe- some people's heads explode right now um <laughs> on on, a, on a, when 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 many people are listening to this on a sunday morning uh, i apologize for your heads exploding margaret uh, signorella is professor of psychology and women gender and sexuality studies at penn state greater allegheny in mckeesport she's the first faculty member there to be named a distinguished professor we're talking about her work we're also talking about the field of of gender studies and uh, some of her recent research i i don't mean to to make light of it but th- these are things that still something that I think for the general public sometimes can feel can make them uneasy. I, I made the joke about people's heads exploding. I, why why does that make us sometimes in the general public uneasy? I want to emphasize that I think it's in part a generational change, mm-hmm. and that although I haven't seen any recent reliable. Um, data, uh, a lot of people have hypothesized that younger generations are much more accepting of the idea that um, gender is not a binary. And I have, um, in my own classes, when um, the research method students do surveys, um, originally we, what we would do is ask um, a binary gender question and and give the 
um, respondents only a male or female okay. option. And so I have changed that in um, recent years to an open-ended question. And when I first explained it to the students, I know that some were uncomfortable or, or not sure why we were doing this. But as each semester has um, has gone on, um, I get fewer and fewer, you know, questioning looks about about why we're doing this and offering an open-ended question. So, uh, but I but I think that. Well, is, if, if I can interrupt for just a second, oh, sure, if you sure. don't mind, is it also no. an, an, an uh, I don't want to say an American, is it a North American, is it a Western thing? Because as you mentioned, in some other cultures that are non-Western or, or definitely non-American, this idea that there is more than one gender or that people can be gender fluid, in, in, in some cases, is a little bit easier to accept. Well, I, I don't think at the present it's a purely Western okay. concept. Okay. Um, so it's more, some of the cultures I, I was referring to are um, indigenous cultures from previous centuries. So, so I think that, that there has been a, a pretty widespread assumption across the globe of a um, gender dichotomy. Okay. But, but I also, um, I think that people who, are, who tend to be disturbed by this um, are also disturbed by other, um, potentially other related attitudes. And I'm going to give an example from, so if you look at what happened during the um, anti-war protests in the uh, late 1960s and early 1970s sure. in the United States, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the protesters were also um, you might say gender non-conforming in the sense that um, a lot of the men were wearing their hair very long, which at the time was considered to be um, a strange hairstyle for men. Right now, of course, I don't think anyone cares. That shows um, up, that, 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 that shows up uh, a lot in the popular culture and the songs and the movies of, of that era. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And you know, wearing jewelry, wearing earrings—you know, the whole, yeah. the whole. Um, idea that men were not um, masculine if they um, dressed themselves that way. So um, that, was, that was also, I think, associated with uh, people also being opposed to the anti-war protests, um, you know, a, pol- a certain political orientation. And so, okay. um, so I think that you would see the same kind of correlations today that... Um, that um, Attitudes about gender fluidity are probably also correlated with other kinds of um, political positions. It kind of gets a guilt by association almost it, it, when you look at it that way. The, 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 uh, I'm not. I wouldn't. I mean, I would. I don't want to put it that way. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I think we have to. Um, you know, I think we have to recognize that that um, that there are certain ideologies that. Um, ideological beliefs, whether they're right or wrong, that are, that are currently associated. And one of the, um, I think one of the challenges, so for example, right now, for people who believe that the, um, that the Department of Education and the, should, and the, the, um, you know, the U.S. government should um, support protections for transgender students, mm-hmm. um, I think that 
that whether you're um, in favor of that or not in favor of that, you have to recognize that being in favor of protections is indeed correlated with other kinds of um, other kinds of attitudes that um, relate to political ideology. Let's let's we have to take one more break. I feel like we're barely touching this subject. Um, I hope it's as interesting to the listeners as it is to me. Margaret Stigdorella is a professor of psychology and women's gender and sexuality studies at Penn State Greater Allegheny. She was just named a distinguished professor at Penn State. She is the first faculty member at Penn State Greater Allegheny to receive that honor. We have one more 30-second break, and we'll be back here to wrap things up on Radio 81 WEDO. 1550 and 88.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel. Internet Radio WMCK.FM and TubeCityOnline.com. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email TubeCityTiger at gmail.com. And we're back for a final few minutes. Our guest this morning is Margaret Signorella of Penn State Greater Allegheny Campus. She is the first faculty member at Penn State Greater Allegheny to be named a distinguished faculty member. And we are or a distinguished professor, excuse me. And uh, we are talking about her field, which is psychology and in particular women's and gender studies. That seems like a good segue to a couple of topics in these final few minutes that we have left. We have had this very controversial, very heated uh, presidential election. We had a, a result which to many people was surprising. And, and now we have seen mass demonstrations uh, in this country of the like that we probably have not seen the anti-Vietnam protests. This must be a very fertile topic for discussion uh, in, in the classes that you teach at, at Penn State. Right now, what we're t- actually what we're trying to do is to um, offer venues for students across classes to discuss these issues. And so one of the, um, one of the things that we've been, the faculty have been doing is, is having just open discussion sessions for any students and also um, showing films. So um, this week, also in, in um, honor of Black History Month, we showed the documentary 13 and we, um, we had an interesting um, discussion uh, in relation to gender with the students um, after part two yesterday. So one of the students pointed out that um, Hillary Clinton in the documentary, um, and, and if you haven't seen the documentary, it is available on Netflix okay. um, for free until the end of February. The, the um, director made that available for Black History Month. And... The, um, one of the students noted that Hillary Clinton had um, changed her position on some of the crime legislation that had been passed during um, President Bill Clinton's administration and was um, recognizing that it had had damaging effects that had not been anticipated when um, the legislation was passed. And so one of the students said maybe that um, harmed Clinton's um, presidential prospects mm-hmm. because she had um, been perceived as flip-flopping. And so, um, so one of the faculty members said, well, that's, that's interesting. Do you think that these politicians always flip-flop <laughs> or mm-hmm. at least are perceived as flip-flopping on a regular basis? You know, do you think she was perceived differently 
as a female candidate in that regard than if she had been a male candidate. And um, I also pointed out that the um, the documentary, which was um, produced, directed by a female um, director, had not featured um, very many instances of women who had been um, caught in the the consequences of the the war on crime, the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was that was an interesting omission. Um, from the documentary. So that's the kind of thing that we've been, we've been talking about in the last few months. Are, are, we hear a lot right now about um, fake news and people sharing uh, misinformation on Facebook and Twitter, and, and we see these memes going around. And, and I know that's, I know technology um, and, and mediated communication through technology is one of your research interests. Is, is, there, any, is there anything we can take away for the general public for, for how we can keep ourselves informed and not fall prey to hoaxes and, and bad information. That's a topic for another time, probably. <laughs> it's right. a huge topic. Uh, uh, I would, well, I would just mention that actually in my um, social psychology class, uh, we um, have started the semester by talking about all of the cognitive biases that humans fall prey to. And what I think is... Um, what I'm noticing is that the students are, because um, I, I have an assignment where they have to, to apply what they're learning to a news article. And so the students have recognized in the discussions about fake news uh, that um, a lot of these biases that they are learning about are being played out in, in um, how people are falling prey, as you said, to um, fake information. And... The problem is there's no easy answer to this issue. Uh, it's it is not it is not true that people are not that I shouldn't say this all in the negative. People mm-hmm. can be um, can change their minds, but you have to have the right circumstances. And so, if someone is isolating themselves from contrary information, the confirmation bias, then it's very difficult to do anything about that unless you can really um, penetrate multiple media, uh, multiple media with the contradictory information. But, um, but education at all levels and just um, conversations, tactful and respectful conversations with people you have relationships with can make a difference. And I realize that that seems like an arduous process. But in fact, um, you mentioned demonstrations. It is, people, it is people who are motivated and who take action who really make a difference. And so you don't um, necessarily have to have everyone... Um, Everyone agreeing and um, in order to make a difference. If you have people who, um, who are out there doing something, then they are more likely in the end to, um, to, make a, to make a difference, to make a change. And I think we've seen this in, and they will then, if you have motivated people who are taking action, that will then influence other people who see that. So, um, and I think that's what what you saw happening, for example, in the in the civil rights movement in the 1960s. That 
there were enough people who were taking action that it penetrated through all of the news sources and people saw what was happening and um, and uh, and became engaged and supportive uh, as a result of what what they saw the the um, active people doing. Uh, Mar- Margaret Signorella is a graduate of the University of Pittsburgh and Penn State University. She's been a member of the Penn State Greater Allegheny faculty since 1982 and was just named a distinguished professor of psychology and women's gender and sexuality studies. She is the first distinguished professor in the history of Penn State Greater Allegheny. Uh, professor Signorella, thank you again for taking some time to talk with us this morning. Well, thank you very much for having me on your program. And thank you all for listening today to Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 88.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.